Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now, let's hear some faith-building teaching from our pastors. One of the things that we learn to do and we're getting into a place where we're receiving the word of God is to be able to come together, come together quickly and enter in. I am believing that as we go forward, that we are going to be a people who are instant in season. Amen. So that means you don't have to pray for 15 days, go into a place of prayer and fasting so that you can hear God uh, tell you to go. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, I just thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for revelation. I thank you for open hearts, ready and ready to receive. I thank you for good soil, good soil. We thank you today that the hearts of the, those who have gathered to hear your word on prayer will be strengthened, that, that, that your might will, will come into them in different ways, that they'll have a, a, great, a, a greater understanding, that their spirits will be enlightened to know and to understand the hope of the high calling, to move with you, Lord, to move with your spirit, to be able to hear you in every situation and trust you to guide them and bring them into a deeper place of, of relationship with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. The Lord spoke to me last fall. Uh, and gave me this word, and that's why we're gathered here today. So we're going to launch from this place. Uh, for those of you who are joining us here, and give you a little understanding here today. There's going to be some teaching, preaching, exhortation on how to pray and to come into a greater depth of faith in your prayers. Uh, we're, we're pretty used to in our church to tag team preaching, so all of us are going to have an opportunity to do that or teaching, what that means is we don't come with a plan outside of the Holy Ghost. We just trust God to reveal as we go. Now, he has put some things in our heart. We prepared ourselves to hear from heaven. We're prepared in the word, and we're believing that this morning will bring a place of instruction to help you. Tomorrow morning, we're going to kind of continue a little bit in that fashion. So if you ask me who's preaching tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell you the Holy Ghost has a plan. Amen. And we're going to follow that plan. Sunday night at 6.30, we're going to gather and believe God to pray in a different way with greater strength. And so that's open to everybody because this is not just about the pastors coming to pray. We're believing that what we're speaking is having such an effect that, and that you're hearing from heaven in a clear manner and able to come together, gather in his name and pray in the things that the Holy Ghost would have you pray. So that's Sunday night. So there'll be an opportunity for some worship and prayer. We're just going to flow with the Holy Ghost and we'll be done when we're done and we'll start right at 6.30. We do start it on time. Amen. And so for some of us, they think, well, when are they going to really get going? And they, they stand around and they do stuff for hours and hours. We don't do that. We start on time and we preach on time. Amen. Amen. So if you're late, you miss stuff. Don't be late. You won't miss stuff. Amen. Amen. So let's turn in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 4. This is where the shaking the ground word comes from. In Acts chapter 4 and in verse 18 and 19, we're going to go down to 24 in a moment. 
But the situation is such as they've been preaching in the name of Jesus and talking in that name. There was a healing and they got in trouble and got thrown in jail. And in the end of that, they said uh, they were commanded and given instruction, rules, restrictions. Hear me. Because we're learning how to operate without rules and restrictions made by men. Right? And to hear from heaven, to not be moved by restrictions. They weren't. Amen. Amen. So uh, it's, a, it's an ideal place to come to. He says, and in verse 18, it says, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge thee. So it gives them an opportunity to choose right away. You judge us. Are we supposed to listen to you or to God? Go ahead. And so to me, that speaks of a great degree of settled a great degree of faith, and a great degree of trust in God to keep their backs. Amen? He's a good God. Now, in verse 23, it says, And being let go, because I'm sure they thought there's nothing we can do with these folks. They're pretty set on the ways that they're going here. Being let go, they went to their own company. Everybody say own company. Own company. So important to know who your own company is. Your own company are those who know how to get in there and do the work. They're not the ones who are, and, and if you saw one of my posts yesterday, I made a post about chicken soup. Don't, don't hang out with chickens. Amen? Uh, you know, I started writing a book a long time, one of the first books I've written, but I've never put it published, and it's got little pieces I keep adding into it, and I called it, No More Chicken Soup, Where's the Beef? And, uh, <laughs> and then I wasn't sure if that would be plagiarism, so I kind of might change the title, but that's kind of the content of it. We get so used to like, just I just want something warm and cozy and will comfort me. And they don't understand that we need to eat the beef of the word of God that will bring us strength. Amen. So it says they, they know your own company. Know who you can stand with and tell the situation to. It's so vital in this time to understand who you stand with. And, and a good example of who you cannot stand with are those when you tell your circumstance and they go, that's really terrible. I don't know what we're going to do. That's not, that, that, that's chicken talk. You have to know when you have a, a, a something that comes towards you that is not of God, that are people who are going to go, all right, well, we're just going to take a moment and get God's answer for this thing. Amen. And that's what happens here. He said, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. That's it. That's the only time we hear about it. Hear me. One short verse. One short verse talking about what the enemy had to say. That's it. You don't hear them bring it up after they pray. You don't hear them go back and rehearse it 10,000 more times. You don't hear that. They hear it. They go, all right, that's what we heard. Good. Goodbye. Hmm? Hear me, so important, because we've been echoing out and telling more than we need to tell. Now, I understand some people haven't told and they haven't found their own company. I believe that's part of the reason that there's repetition. We haven't told the right people who can respond with faith. We've been hearing a lot of reactions, and then we're having nuclear reactions instead of godly responses. Amen. And so, so you have to know who to talk to, and then they report it. That's it. End of story. Now, what they do in the next few verses is vital. 
He said, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And that's what we're believing here. Now, you can't lift up your voice in one accord when you're in a mess about what the devil done. They're not talking about coming into agreement over the enemy's words. They're coming into agreement over God's word. Amen. Amen. And what they do, and they begin this way, Lord, you are God. If you will read the next few verses, and, and I don't have, have the time or what I feel we're supposed to do today to go into it all, but you can parallel this prayer with the Lord's Prayer. They identify God. They talk covenant. And they rehearse covenant. Who is our God? And they go through it. What built them up to the place where the ground was shook was remembering their God. Amen. If you think about David and Goliath, what was the thing? They had heard the whining. Forty days, no one came up. They, they didn't have the right company. But David knew. David comes along and he goes, what's the matter? Even the, even the people didn't like what he had to say. And he comes along and said, this is our God. Hallelujah. What, what's this guy saying? Why are you moved? We're moved by covenant promises. And that's what he brings. How dare he defy the armies of the living God? And everybody went, what? Hang on. Wait. He had the voice that recognized covenant. And that's what happens here. You are God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? It's where we are. You don't get stuck in the enemy's words. Amen. The kings of the earth stood up and it's time we stood up. And nowhere to stand. And rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. No big deal. They've done it before. They've been doing it always. We're not going to be moved. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom you've anointed. Whom you've anointed. Don't ever forget the anointings with Jesus, not the other guy. Both Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to done. Now, Lord. Okay, they got done. They talked about God. They made sure... That God was aware. They're not holding back. They're telling the whole story. God, this is where we're at. We know you're God. We know you've done this before, right? That's what they're saying. You've done it before. You've delivered before. You've lifted us through before. Hmm? And now it says, okay, here's our request. Notice where it comes. The request came after identification of who God is. Now, don't take this model and think, well, I'm going to make a lot of tick boxes, and every time I pray, I'm going to make this into a model. I'm going to make this into some kind of formula. And here's the formula for success. We'll tick these boxes just like they did, and then the ground will shake. Not the point. The point's not the model, but there is a principle involved. And it's important to recognize the difference between models and principles. Amen? So the principle is... Be together. <laughs> know who God is. Know your covenant. It's not your neighbor's responsibility to know it for you. Everybody said amen. amen. The problem is in church is, well, hang on. Hang on. Thank you, Jesus, for that patience. Amen. <laughs> amen. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And here's the request. Grant unto thy sermons. What? Boldness. Not to kill the enemy? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not to like, oh, take them down, Jesus. Uh, give us new rulers. None of that. 
that we may, with boldness may speak your word. That we will go forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we will not be held back. That nothing will stand in our way. That we will proclaim the greatness of our God. Amen. Everybody went, oh yeah. And you know, when we talk about this, don't you just forget about all the rest. And he went, wait a minute, God is great. Oh my word, he's so good. You know, that's right. Every time I've come to him, I felt better. You know, when we sang that song last week and we began to sing about the greatness of our God, man, I, I, it changed my perspective. I got out of my own thinking. Man, things were better after that. My word, what was I thinking? Uh, that's right. With all boldness, they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal. Let's go, folks. Let's get out there. We're not afraid of meeting up with sickness. We're not afraid when we put our hands on someone. We're not afraid to hug them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for me. Amen. <laughs> We're not afraid to touch disease. Amen. Either the blood of Jesus is powerful or not. Amen. We're not afraid. Uh, boldness to speak your word. Stretching forth thy hand to heal. That signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus, which we have come here in. I have come in the name of Jesus. I'm not coming by the name of Gwen. I'm not coming by the name of my husband. I'm not coming by the name of the church. I'm not coming by the name of all the pastors behind me. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And that name of Jesus is full of power. And it's good name. And I'm glad to stand in it. Not behind it. In it. And there's a difference. There's a difference about standing in the name of Jesus. I come in that name. When we talk, the name of the Lord is a what? A strong tower. The righteous do what? They run into it. You got to believe you're righteous to run in. Yeah, and are saved. Yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. We got to be able to know and grab a hold of the fact that righteousness is ours and we live in it, not around it, not looking at it, not talking about it, not making 10,000 faith confessions about it, but actually believe it and live in it. Amen. So we're in the righteousness of God. I run into that name because I know I'm righteous, not by any works or things I've done, but by receiving. So I'm in it. I'm in his name. Look out below. <laughs> and then when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And some of them really felt the presence of the Lord that day in such a special way. It was so special. We all cried. We got our tissue boxes out. <laughs> Jesus, good praise Jesus. No, I don't, you know, I understand. I get it. But there's a place when we are all filled with his presence. Changes everything. And if there is ever an age, we need a depth of the Holy Spirit's work and understand that depth. It's now. It's now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart. It didn't come before that. They came together with the same problem. They came together to God and exalted him together as king. But they came together in oneness when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Not by a, not by a committee meeting. <laughs> not by us all standing there. Well, what are we going to decide we're going to agree on today? Well, we know the cross is Jesus. We believe in the cross. We're, we're in agreement there. Uh, we've got unity because we've agreed with Jesus going to the cross. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. 
Or is there any other place we've got agreement? Because if any two shall agree as having touched the thing, we've touched the cross together, it'll be done. You can understand that part of what has happened in our, in our church is that we've come to a place where uh, we should be moving past the book of Acts. And, and uh, yeah, we're going to go here. Praise the Lord. We don't live in the Old Testament. We don't live there. There are some great examples for a life and how to live it and principles. We don't throw out the Old Testament. It's not useless. It's not like that. It's still God's word. But we don't live there or by its rules. We are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and it's time we lived in that. Amen? That's going to make things different. The thing that happened following the book of Acts is we got very good at organizing things and almost organized the Holy Ghost right out of things. We made a bunch of Marthas, even in the men's section. I don't know what you would call a man, Martha, but, you know, when we should be Marys and Larrys or something like that. Amen. People who consider the presence of God. That's the important thing. And I tell you, the work will always get done. It does. And we don't want to organize God out of the church anymore. We have to make sure we get out of the way and yield to him and let him back in. Amen. So let's turn over. I wanted to talk just a little bit, and we're going to get into, like, praying strong now that we've kind of got our understanding. This is why we're doing this, praise the Lord. We are doing this. I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're talking this way to get ourselves shifted out of the mentality of where we were. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the edification of the body of Christ. We understand that. But somehow in the midst of the church becoming this pushed over thing, we've also began to use it, the gifts of the Spirit in kind of a wrong way and given them almost a, a, a strange place, if I can say it that way. People have begun to use the gifts as a measurement of who they are. And they're the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're not our measurement. What do I mean by that? Some people have tried to determine their call by how the Holy Spirit uses them in the gifts. The call is the call. It is separate from that measurement. We don't use that. I also don't use personality to determine the gift and the calling of God. Those things were an effort to try and understand the call, but they're not in the right balance. Yes, some prophetic people will have to deal with things like depression, but you don't go, man, I'm depressed all the time. I must be a prophet. You know, uh, oh, I've, I've, I, I typically flow in the word of prophecy. I must be a prophet. No. We understand that some of the gifts, uh, some of the offices that it talks about in Ephesians 4, that there are certain things that they flow in. But at the end of the day, when I go home, what happens here and how I minister is the call operating. When I go home, I have to pray in my people praying. And that may flow with the gifts. It can. Uh, Mark chapter 16, 18 uh, through 21. It explains that. It says, this is anyone who believes can walk in the gifts. Anyone. But they're always with a purpose, 
of edification. They're always with a purpose of helping the church. That's what the gifts are for, and they're going to flow. If you're, but all having the gifts work in your life doesn't make you anything, except yielded. If you will embrace the place that you're called, you'll be more happy and satisfied. When I go home at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I, when, when I'm here, the mantle's here to do what it's called to do. Outside of the pulpit, I'm a believer. I have to cook dinner. I have to sometimes take out the garbage. Now, I have a good husband. He usually does that. And he does dishes, which is wonderful. But uh, my life isn't here. And my identity isn't here. If I put my identity here, I'm in trouble. I won't have an I, uh, like a relationship with Jesus. And I've got to know his voice outside of this place. And then when the devil throws a rock, I'm not going to get shifted at home. I'm going to be the same person. And, and frankly, my life at home is pretty simple and sort of boring for some people. Um, you know, I'm not out there doing all kind of, I just, you know, I cook, I make cookies, too many over Christmas. <laughs> Believe God, pray for people all the time. But that's not because I'm called to preach. I pray because I want to talk to my Jesus. And that's what's underneath it. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I did not grow up in a church that prayed in other tongues, and I thought it was kind of weird, to be honest. The only people I knew growing up that were Pentecostals were strange, and that was the days of the, quote, holy rollers, and that's what I referred to them as. <laughs> I didn't know, and it was wrong, and I see that now. <laughs> but one of my friends was one of those holy rollers, and I went once to a church, got very frightened, didn't go again. And, and, and it was strange, frankly, I mean, come on, we've got to admit it. Praying in tongues looks weird. And, and, and some of the things that charismatics done in the name of Jesus have been strange. And so it's not odd if people say, don't get offended by it. You know what? We are kind of strange. Embrace it. <laughs> Amen. So having heard that, don't measure the call. Know the call by him speaking in your heart. Know the call by his voice working in your life. Know it. Get solid in it. And now when we come to 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to talk a little bit about, about uh, oh, it's so good. I get so excited, but I'll just take my half an hour, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out the, the tag. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I talk just, and this is the part that I really, it's something that I've operated for a long time in my life that I believe will really help. And some people say, how do you do that? And it really, because of all the other things I've done and trusted God and learned to trust him, here's where praying in tongues has made a real big difference in my life. In verse 13, it says, wherefore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit. Hello. So for all of you who are there who are thinking, well, I don't know if I really want to pray with the Holy Ghost, and I don't really, blah, 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 blah. But it says I will pray. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. And so those scriptures have meant a lot to me for many years. I took them very literally after I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the person who led me in the baptism 
was uh, an Anglican, not a priest, and it was in Edmonton, and they had tapped in. They had been praying and, and reading the Word of God, and they said, you know, this Holy Ghost thing is, I think, is real. And when they were praying individually, the Holy Spirit had filled them, and now they were so excited, they just wanted to pray that for everybody. And so when uh, they had a mission and a work that, that helped out youth, and so I was there present with them and in their home, and, and they just, you know, were, they basically jumped on me for the end of the table. Come on, you're not filled with us. And, you know, by the time they were done and this and that and all kinds of yelling and grabbing my head and throwing it this way and that way and the other and shaking it. And, and I don't, you know, I think it was about 45 minutes. At the end, I think I just surrendered and prayed another time. <laughs> but there was a lot of shaking going on, <laughs> but not the kind that shook the ground except it shook mine. And, and then the, the most interesting thing happened. He said, you've prayed in other tongues. What was it? I'm like, he said, yeah, no pressure. Right? He said, pray that you understand. Ask the Holy Spirit what you said. Oh, well, this is, I had this one word. Well, what was it? And so I told him, and he goes, that's it. I was like, that's it. <laughs> well, that was easy. You know, I wasn't trying to get a rock. I wasn't trying to speak a snake, you know. I said the other day, there's so many lies, people get used to snake food. <laughs> Don't ever develop the taste for eating snakes, amen. You know, this whole world's got, you know, like things that they develop a taste for, right? And they go, oh, that lie tasted good. We'll eat another one because it'll help us swallow the first lie if we keep eating lies and, you know, and they get in the lie theory and pretty soon they've developed a taste for snake, you know. I've met people, they eat snake. And, I'm, and they say, you know, you got to develop a taste for it. I'm thinking, nope, nope, I don't. I don't live in the desert. I don't live anywhere near it. And if I ever got in trouble, I think I'd try and eat a cactus first, you know. <laughs> so I come to the praying in other tongues, praise the Lord. See, you're having fun. I knew you'd have fun. And it's like, you could just pray that word that comes. And so I went away, believing that word. I didn't get, I didn't go, you know, oh, well, let's go to theology school and pull this apart and make sure that we don't really know how it works. <laughs> no, I trusted it. I trusted the man. I'd experienced the Holy Spirit in a new way, and I knew he was real, and I knew he was with me. And so when it said, pray that you understand, and he said, well, what did he say? And I had a word. I assumed it was God because God's not going to give me snakes, rocks, or anything else. It's not Charlie Brown. Amen? What did you get? I got a rock. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> and so we come to this place where we trust when we're doing our best to hear from heaven, we begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And so some people say, I remember I went to a meeting and, and there were these people, uh, these ladies, and they were sharing. And I was like, they just like turn them on. I'm like, you can't just turn on God. You have to sing five songs first. And then maybe a couple of worship songs. And then we'd get really like, mm, you'll be able to pray in other tongues. And I used to wait like that. But God's always on. It was me that was unhooked. And so I realized, man, he's always there. And this was my language. And in the same way I choose to speak to you in English, I could try and speak in French, but it would fail very quickly. I have a little Swahili under my belt, and I can read French quite well. I can decide to speak in those languages. I can decide to speak in English. I can decide to pray in that tongue that the Lord gave me. This is not the gift of tongues it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. 
This is the prayer language the Holy Spirit's given me to anchor in with him, to hear his will, to know his plan. And so when I pray and believe for understanding, sometimes still to this day, it starts with one word. I trust it. So what happens? So there are my praying in tongues. Oh, I pray. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me understand that one word. Help me understand what I'm saying today to you. And I pray, and a word will come. It will come. What if it takes 15 minutes? I don't know. What if it does? What if it takes an hour? So? And then, and then a word comes. And a word comes. And this morning when I prayed, before I got here, <laughs> I had a word about calling. And so many people waiting for the call when the call was already given. But it started out, I'm praying, la, 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 la. call. That's all I had, just one word. God, what would you like to say about that? What is there more? So I kept praying in tongues. What do you have to say about calls, Jesus? What do you have to say about that? And so I began to just ponder. I says many people were stuck there. And they didn't move because they were waiting for the next call. They were trying to measure their call, which is why I brought that up today. So he began to speak to me about that. I trusted it was him talking. The more that you listen, like that, in tongues, and, and just start speaking that one word in English, or maybe two, maybe you have a picture. Because sometimes when I'm praying in other tongues, I get a picture. How does the Lord speak to you? So if you have a picture, what do you think you should do? The same thing. <laughs> Amazing. Holy Spirit, help me understand. He said, I will pray with the spirit and with the understanding. Now, I'm going to throw another kind of like a. Sometimes you can pray in the spirit English and still need understanding. <laughs> <laughs> and what do I mean by that? You can pray in your known tongue. Let me say that rather than English. Your known tongue, the language that you commonly speak and communicate in. And you could be praying, and the, the word comes out of you, and you don't really get it. What should you do? Pray. pray and ask for understanding. See, it's not that hard. It's really not. And when you get comfortable in it, it makes uh, your flow in prayer life way more interesting. Because when I understand something, I'm able to love more. Sometimes, like I said, God, I don't get it why these people are like, behaving that way <laughs> but I know if I stay in a place of like yikes I'm not going to hear God so I have to settle myself how do I settle myself by I, I I settle myself by the things that talked about in Acts chapter 4 God you're God you got you got this now for those of you who don't know me very well I don't tend to use the phrase God is in control for a lot of reasons because it's created a lot of misunderstanding about God, it's created a lack of faith in many areas. Now, I'm not saying that God is not completely in control, but let me tell you this. He's not in control of you brushing your teeth every day. He's in control where we yield. And so when we use, and we tap this up, and it's kind of like our excuse why our prayers didn't work well, God's in control. See what I mean? 
So that's a wrong application and a misunderstanding, and it gets used in a wrong way, and then the world looks at us and goes, well, and they're a bunch of loonies. God obviously isn't answering their prayer, and if they finish it up with, well, if it be thy will, and God's in control. <laughs> We're like, uh, hang on. That doesn't sound like it's going to shake anybody's ground. So careful how we tag on the world's phrases, because really that came from somewhere and, and got in, and, and it twists things. And so part of this weekend is understanding how things unfold, understanding how things uh, can work stronger, can work better, hearing the Holy Spirit's voice and getting it in a place where you can flow with it, you can be confident in it, you can know it's God and have faith that what he tells you will actually come to pass. Amen? So does that help you in any way about praying in other tongues? I hope it does. I hope it does. Because these are, the, it's kind of like praying in tongues is a foundational area. And some people think, well, I don't know if I'll ever pray in tongues. Well, that's a choice. And, and praying in other tongues is your choice, just like I chose to pray in my known tongue. Understanding is a choice when you ask the question. Never be afraid to ask God questions. Sometimes we think, oh, my goodness gracious me. I don't really get it, God. And then we just go, well, it's all a mystery. No, you just stop there. Everyone knows where they stop. We just don't talk about it. Amen? You ready to go, Pastor Jason? I thought so. Praise the Lord. <laughs> amen, amen. All right, good morning, everyone. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. I think I should turn there too. So, Matthew chapter 9. And let's start in verse 14. See, I was praying too. And I heard one, one thought. I'm going to start sharing that with you this morning. We're going to go from there. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 14, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It goes like this. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus, inquiring, why is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, Amplified adds in here, that is, abstain from food and drink as religious exercise, but your disciples do not fast. In verse 15, and Jesus replied to them, can the wedding guests mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Now, let's look at verse 16 here. It says, And no one puts a piece of cloth that has, been, has not been shrunk on an old garment. For such a patch tears away from the garment, and a worse rent or tear is made. Verse 17, Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. For if it is, the skins burst and are torn in pieces, and the wine is spilled and the skins are ruined. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Does it sound familiar to anybody? You hear this before? All right. So Jesus, first of all, is answering the question as to, well, how come your disciples don't fast? I mean, that's the proper religious thing to do. If you're a disciple, you don't eat, right? 
if you're a traveling minister, well, you go without. So how come yours don't? And that's what they're asking here. What the, you know, what's going on here? You guys must not be as holy as the others are because you're not fasting and depriving yourselves the way that the others are, so you must not be holy. And that's what they're talking about, Jesus' disciples. And he answers their question. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom, how can they mourn while the bridegroom is there with them? Right? And you, so you understand that there's a place where in the Old Testament, fasting and mourning go hand in hand because of the attitude of fasting in the Old Testament. It's an attitude of, woe is me. It's an attitude of, you know, I'm... I'm depriving myself, I'm humbling myself, I'm debasing myself in the sight of God so that he can answer me, he can hear me, he can, right? It's, it's a plea on behalf, uh, on man's behalf, asking God to do something. That's the Old Testament. So, and it's also showing a place of discipline and saying, you know, I've, I've, other things behind me, and I'm going to, I've committed to a certain way, so I'm not going to indulge in other things. But you see, Jesus is saying that wedding guests are, when they're there with the bridegroom, they're not there to mourn and fast, and they're there to celebrate and enjoy because he's there. He says, no, there'll, there'll come a time when they will fast because the bridegroom will go away. And so we can understand as, as, in the uh, parable or the way that Jesus is speaking here, that he's talking about himself, and he's talking about the wedding guests as all of the other believers. So that would be you and I. And there's a place where he's not necessarily physically here, and so you would say that it's a time for us to fast. But you see, we don't fast the way that they did. You think, what do you, what do you mean by that? Our purpose in fasting is not the same as theirs. Theirs being, well, like they said, uh, even the way the Amplified puts it here, uh, that is, abstain from food and drink, as, and drink as a religious exercise, but your disciples, they don't do that. Religious exercise. So it's not the same. So here's what I would like to talk to you about today. He's saying that there is a new patch of cloth, that if you try to put that new patch of cloth on an old garment, you're going to have a problem. First of all, you've ruined a perfectly good new garment, and you're going to ruin the old one too. And you can't put new wine into old wineskin. So he's talking in a very plain way because they understand this. You put old, new wine in old wineskins, it will cause the old ones to break. And yeah, not only do the old wineskins break, but the new wine is spilled and is wasted. He's talking about new ways versus old ways. New ways versus old ways. And Jesus' way is a new way. And every other way is the old way. 
And the new way does not work with the old way. Jesus' way doesn't work with, you could say this way, Moses' way, the religious way. New Testament prayer doesn't operate according to Old Testament principles. If you try to pray in a New Testament way using the Old Testament, you're going to break the Old Testament and spill the new all over the place. Does that make sense? What do I mean by that? Let's examine how we pray today. Actually, I'm going to take a step. Let's examine how they prayed in the Old Testament. Why did man pray in the Old Testament? What was the, what was the thing that they were praying about? If they're praying to God, God the Father, they didn't know him as Father necessarily. What are they asking? God, come help me. Come deliver me. Bless me. Take care of me. I'm in trouble. Deliver me from my enemies. These are the kinds of prayers that the Old Testament people would pray. Why? Because God's way over there, and I'm over here. You're not with me. You're over there. I'm over here. God, my enemies are coming. What should we do? Okay, well, here's the plan. You do this. You listen to God, obey his plan, and then it works. Old Testament. God, my needs need to be met. I'm sick in body. I need a healing. I'm going to go to God, and he's going to come fix my problems for me. He's over there, and I'm over here. Old Testament praying. And I know you're sitting there going, wait a minute, we pray that way today. (laughs) Don't throw stones just yet, I'm not done. And throw stones after. And that tends to be how we pray, because we're conscious of what? God's over there and I'm over here. Are we? Hmm, where where is he today? He, He lives inside by the Holy Spirit. He did not leave us alone as orphans. He has come to us in the Holy Spirit, and now he is here. So we don't need to pray the same way because he's not way over there somewhere, and we've got to fast and pray to get his attention so that he'll listen to us and then maybe answer us and, get, and do something. Because I can tell you this, the way that a lot of people pray, it's let's pray for God to break through, the, for an open heaven, and all this terminology we, we use that shows that we don't know that he's living on the inside of us. It shows that we don't know that we're living in a new place, not the old, not the old place. We are in a new place with God, hallelujah, not the old place, living in the new. We are that new. He said new wineskins, or new, I should say new wine for new wineskins. You want to see an interesting comparison? I know you do. Let's look in Ezekiel chapter 36 for a moment. I'm going to show you 
how you can interpret new wine and new wineskins. Ezekiel 36 and verses 26 and 27. says this, this is God speaking, and he is speaking about the new covenant that we are in. Again, a new covenant, not an old one. A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall heed my ordinances and do them. New spirit and his spirit. Your, what happened when you made Jesus Lord of your life? Something happened. The wineskin became new. You got a new spirit. That is the new wineskin. Yes? new wineskin. But guess what? You also got new wine, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. New wine for a new wineskin. Praise the Lord. See, we're not of the old. And too often we try to mix these things together. We take analogies out of the Old Testament. We take methods that they you know, maybe if we do the Jericho march, all of my problems will go away. <laughs> That's Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not new. If you wanted it to be in the New Testament, really what you should do, Yes, exactly. Smack some pots together. An Old Testament analogy is like Gideon, who's, who had some unusual instructions. You had 20,000 pared down to 300 for that army of however many thousands are standing there against you. And he was given some instructions. So he took those instructions and he obeyed God. And they had this torch that they were supposed to carry in the middle of the night. And they put a clay pot over it. And they had a trumpet in the other hand. And that is, I don't know how you're going to win a war that way with 300 people. And you have no equipment, no weaponry, but you have a torch covered over with a clay pot and a trumpet, and how you're going to win, I have no idea. But God knew what he was talking about, and even the foolishness of God is greater than the wise, w- wisdom of men, and so they simply obeyed his instruction and smashed the clay pot so that the light would shine forth and blew the trumpet, praise God. So if you want to make that, you want to, do, you want to see if you can fight your battles that way today. Go to your house, find something to make a torch out of, get a pot out of the kitchen, Borrow your neighbor's trumpet that they play at 3 a.m. And see if that is going to bring you victory and a healing in your body. It doesn't work that way because that is the old. The old and the new mixed together. You know, you try to do that in, over, your, over a hospital bed to get somebody well. The new, and the, the new and the old do not mix together. And you're wasting the new when all you're doing is relying on the old. The new is wasted. 
The New Testament analogy of that is this, is that we have this treasure in jars, earthen jars of clay. What is that? It is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God inside you that you break so that it can shine forth and people can see that the power is of God and not of men. That's the New Testament application. But why is it a New Testament application? Because the new wine is in you. Hallelujah. The new is in you. The Holy Ghost, praise the Lord. So when we go to pray, our place is, we pray from a new place. We don't, we don't pray from an old place of heaven is there and I'm down here and I'm trying to get God to come down and manifest and change my situation. No, he sent the Holy Ghost and he is with us and within us. And when we pray, we pray from a new place. You've been raised up together with Christ Jesus, right? In Ephesians, you can read that, chapter 2. Raised you up to be seated with him. You're not seated down here, you're seated with him. You're praying from a new place, a place where all the it's it's won. The battle has been won. You're praying from that place, not to that place. A lot of our praying is from the attitude of I've got to get from here to there. But New Testament truth is he's already put me over there. I've got that in here and it's going to come out of here that way. It's a different mentality of praying, and that's important. New wine in a new wineskin. That's us. We also deal with things differently because of that. In the Old Testament, when, when there was an enemy, what did God have them do? Kill all the enemies. Now, you wouldn't go very far in life today if that was your approach. You'd be in prison, and rightfully so. So obviously, we don't do that. Our war is, our battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's principalities, right? That's, that's where the war is, because it's a spiritual thing. And so when we deal with things in, the, in a position of prayer, we're not attacking it. We're not dealing with it from a natural perspective. We're not saying, Lord, strike my neighbor. Even as Pastor Gwen mentioned this morning, look at how they prayed. They're being told, you can't preach the gospel. The religious rulers are saying, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus again. And what is their prayer? Lord, observe their threatenings. Now strike them dead. (laughs) That's not how they prayed. Or they might Christianize it a little bit and remove them out of the way. Yeah, close that door or, you know, all these sorts of things that we pray. And really, it's trying to mix the old and the new together and nothing works. That's why we don't see results because we're mixing the old and the new together. But what did they pray? Give us boldness to preach the gospel. We won't be intimidated. We will go forth and do as we've been told. Amen. So what is the root of the situation that they're dealing with? The root of the situation is in here, is spiritual. And that's what they're dealing with. Did you know that God, God wants poverty to be eradicated? Yeah. 
Is there any poverty in heaven? No. But did you know that if you spent all your time going to try to eradicate poverty in the earth, and that's how you spent your time, praying and believing that God will help you to eradicate poverty in the earth, I have news for you. It will come up again. The reason why it'll come up again is because the problem isn't poverty. It's the heart of men. Because men are greedy without God. So you're not solving the problem by simply trying to... Now, is it right to feed the poor? Yes. But my point is, is that's not solving the problem. That's just cutting off bad fruit off the tree. We don't want to just go around trying to clip off all the bad fruit from the tree. We want to replace the tree so that it bears good fruit. In the same way, when we pray, that's, that's, what we're, that's our target when we're praying. We're praying that the hearts of men would be changed. We're praying that God would deal with the inside. Because when the inside is dealt with, the outside will be also. You know, communism was not defeated by ideology. Communism was defeated because of Christianity. And that's different. Because the hearts of men started to change. Men and women were thrown in prison and were killed and brutalized because they were standing up for their faith under the reign of communism. But they could not defeat them because the believers were loved not their lives unto the death. You know how many testimonies there are of guards that would march Christians out to be slaughtered and they'd watch the joy and the praising that would take place because they're full of the Holy Ghost. They're full of faith. They are undefeated even in the face of death. How many times the guards would turn around and say, I'm joining them because Jesus is Lord. It would happen because they would see something that it defies natural logic. When we pray, we're praying for the hearts of men to change. And that is where our victory will be. You look at the the New Testament, and you look at the prayer examples that we have. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and many others. You will see that that when you look at how it's being prayed, you don't find Paul saying, Hey, look, I know you're having a real rough time right now. I've been praying that, you know, your circumstances will ease up a little bit and you'll have a time of a little bit of rest because I know it's real challenging out there. And, you know, maybe if we can get some people to, to, to change some policies and how they do things, then you guys will do a little bit better. Why is that prayer not in there? Were they experiencing that? Yes, they were. They were experiencing persecution. But the prayers were never about, God, get me out of being persecuted. The prayer was, I pray that you will have a steadfast endurance and a firm faith in the light of everything that's going on around you. It's a testimony that God is right in choosing you. It's it's about that. It's about, I pray that your love will increase more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's how he's praying. Why? Because he's dealing with the root. He's dealing with what's going on in here on the inside. And he's not praying from a place of lack, like, oh, God, please help us. 
we're dealing with so many problems. God, come down and save us. No, no, no. We've been saved. Hallelujah. We've been saved, right? That is true. And we get to live in the, the abundance of the life of the Spirit of God who is in us. New wine for new wineskins, praise God. When we pray, we need to pray from a different place. A place of abundance and fruitfulness. A place where there is no lack. I'm not praying for an answer. I'm praying because I have an answer. I'm not praying for an answer. I'm praying because I have an answer. And you're like, well, I don't know what that is. I, I don't understand. Well, we just heard about praying in other tongues. You don't understand. But you pray that you will. It's not because you don't have an answer. It's because you might not understand what that answer is just yet. And that's very different. When you're praying in tongues, you're not praying just so that you can understand. You're praying in a place of faith because you know God hears you when you pray, even if you don't understand. It's praying from a different place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that back and redo that again a little bit slower because I realized I was too fast. When we pray in other tongues, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that we speak mysteries unto God. It's not a mystery to God. It's a mystery to us because we don't understand. But he knows what you're saying. And what you're saying out of your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, he knows what that is. That's his will. And he hears it. And he answers it. You're praying the answer. You're praying the solution. You're praying from a place of victory. When you're praying in other tongues, by the Spirit, you have it, and you're praying it out. Your mind simply does not understand. But your faith is not weakened because you don't understand. Your faith is still strong because you can say, I know you hear me. I know this is the answer. So you can stay in a place of faith as you pray in the Spirit. And in that place, you know something's happening. You might not know what, but you know something is. And when you remain in a place of faith like that, God can speak to you and change things. If we pray in other tongues for the purpose of trying to get an answer, we've taken our eyes off of God and out of faith and onto the situation. Praying in tongues is not just a tool to get an answer. Praying in tongues is speaking directly to God without your head getting in the way. It, it, I only have a few more minutes, but you understand what I'm saying. You have a situation you're dealing with. It's troubling you on the inside. And you say, God, I don't know how to pray. You go to pray in English, and it's just not doing the job. You know what I mean by that? You pray in English, and it's like, you think, well, I've got to learn more prayers. No, you don't need to learn more prayers. You need to get at what's on the inside out to him somehow. And the way to do that is by speaking in other tongues because you're, basically your mind is just not up for the task. It's too big for your mind. So you tell your mind, step aside for a moment. Step aside. Let your spirit come out. And you speak to God in other tongues because your spirit knows. 
by the Holy Spirit, you know. And when you pray in other tongues, you've now put the lesser behind so the superior and the greater can come forth. And when you do that, you can stop once your spirit is satisfied. And if you're not praying in tongues until your spirit's satisfied, you're not done praying. Don't unhook just because five minutes has gone by. Pray until your spirit is satisfied. If you don't know what that means, you haven't been praying long enough in the spirit. If you've been praying long enough in the spirit, you know what I'm talking about when I say your spirit is satisfied. You pray until your spirit's satisfied, then it's done. You got it all out. He's heard you. It's done. And you might be thinking, I still don't know what to do. I still don't understand. I don't get it. Maybe I need to pray and fast again. It's not about doing those things. It's about this new and greater way that we have in him. He hears you. And now your first step of faith is to leave the prayer room and go, he heard me. What did I say? I don't know. I don't know, but I know that he heard me. And in that place of faith, he can then reveal to you. He can cause you to understand. He can make the way straight. He can cause your path to be open before you. Because you've been praying in that perfect way. That is the new way to pray as believers. Be pray with all kinds of prayer, all manners of prayer in the spirit. Not in frustration. Not in desperation. Not God come down and help me and solve my problems. He did. He sent Jesus 2,000 years ago and solved all of your problems. Let's believe that's true and act like it. Hallelujah. And pray like that's true. Right? We're not praying because God forgot to do something in Jesus at the cross. We're praying because he did. Hallelujah. That's why we're praying. We're not praying just because people need healing. We're praying because by his stripes they were healed. It's from a different place. Hallelujah. New wineskins for the new wine, praise God. It doesn't mix with the old. I believe as believers, we can enjoy everything that he has provided for us. I believe there's a greater place. You heard Pastor Gwen say it already. There's a greater place in the spirit for all of us to be. Where spiritual things become more real. I heard Keith Moore say it this way. People that don't know the Holy Spirit think that spiritual things are just as vague to everybody else as as they are to them. But that's not true. When you know the Holy Spirit, the more you do, the more real spiritual things are, the more true. In fact, you begin to realize those are the real and true things. So there is a greater place for us to to live from, to pray from, to be in, and it's in the Holy Spirit. He has not left us orphans. He's not left us behind. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, and this treasure should not stay buried under the earth any longer. And I'm going over time. So, again, new wine, new wineskins. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Praise God. Having fun so far, everyone? Praise the Lord. I was just 
After listening to Pastor Gwen, I was just thinking about um, when I baptized with the Holy Spirit and got my tongues. I was at work. Um, at the time, I was uh, working for a company that rebuilt um, toner cartridges for laser printers, and I would go out and I'd deliver the toner cartridges and and uh, fix uh, photocopiers, small photocopiers and stuff like that. And <laughs> I was driving, uh, I can't remember the name of the road, but it was right by the jail in Victoria, driving down the road, and I'd been believing for tongues, and all of a sudden, I'd been, I was praying, and I was believing for tongues in my life, and all of a sudden, the tongues just started flowing out of my out of my mouth as I was driving down the road, and I'm like, "Okay, focus, Neil, focus." <laughs> Praise the Lord! That was a great yeah. Stay on the road, <laughs> Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. So, I'm going to be talking about where we start in prayer. Where we start in prayer. Turn to uh, Mark six. Mark chapter 6, and verse 7. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The great sound of all those pages in the Bibles rustling to the page. It's an awesome thing. <laughs> Mark 6, verse 7 says, And he, this is Jesus, called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he called them unto him, the twelve. He called them unto him. Back when I was realizing that I had gotten a long ways away from God, uh, my mentor at the time, who was helping me out, uh, gave me a sermon, and the whole sermon was on this one verse, and it completely changed my life. Notice that he called the disciples to him first, and then he sent them out in power and authority to deal with unclean spirits. He called them to himself first. We need to go to Jesus first. We need to go to Jesus, or in our case, like Pastor Jason was talking about, we have the Holy Spirit in place of Jesus in our lives. We need to take the time in our lives to go to Jesus, to go to the Holy Spirit first, to spend time with him, to take time with him in our lives The other way that we would come is with our own agenda. So that would look along the lines of, Lord, this is what I'm planning to do today. Can you bless it for me, please? <laughs> Lord, I'm trying to fix this. Where are you? 
Now, we don't want to be going down that path because that separates us from him. This is a really simple concept, but it's so important. When we come to him, that creates relationship. When we start with him, that creates relationship in our lives with him. And from that relationship, we get understanding. We get purpose. We get direction. We get uh, understanding. All of those things that Pastor Gwen and Pastor Jason have been talking about so far, they come from first starting with that relationship, with taking time to talk to him. Now, Pastor Heather, my wife, if everybody just turns around for a moment, she's at the very back of, of the, uh, the sanctuary. Everybody wave at her. Now, uh, I didn't plan it this way, but it just kind of works out. So if I want to talk with my wife, and I'm up here, and she's always that distance away from me. It's really hard to talk to her. I mean, I spent a bunch of time in the military, and I was taught how to project my voice, so I can project my voice very well so that she can hear. You can hear me at the back, right? But I'm having to talk very loud right now. It's hard to communicate with Heather all the way back there, and I'm all the way up here, right? But, Pastor Ever, if you want to come up, please. Hi, sweetheart. As she comes up and she's right next to me, it's so easy to communicate with her. I don't have to yell. I don't have to look for her. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know that she's right here with me. Right? Thank you, sweetheart. when we take that time to come to him. Now, like Pastor Jason was saying, we don't have to go far. <laughs> we don't have to go very far because he lives right here on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. We can actually stand in one spot and never move and always be in his presence. <laughs> But somehow in our lives, we, I don't know how we do it, but I've done it in my life as well, where, we, where it's like, God, where are you in my life? Why can't I hear you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? I need to hear your voice. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> Pastor Gwen, if you didn't hear, Pastor Gwen said long distance relationships don't work. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Through our actions and our wrong understanding of God, we think that he's out there somewhere and that we have to ask him to come in. But we don't. He is right here. He is right here with us. Amen? Mm, hallelujah. You can write this down. I have to turn there. In John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, this was before he went to the cross. The by me now is through the Holy Spirit. We come to the Father. If we want the way to go, if we want the truth to go in it, and if we want the life in it, we come to the Father. We come to him. We spend time with him. It gives us that revelation, that understanding of how to go, how to pray. You know, Pastor Gwen was talking about praying in tongues. So you're spending time with the Father there through the Holy Spirit. You've come to Jesus. You're spending time. You've got this situation. Pastor Jason said that he is already the answer. We're not looking for the answer. He is the answer. So we spend that time with him. And we pray, Lord, thank you. We just give you praise. And you pray. And you pray because you've got this thing. And you know that he's the answer. So you've got this thing that you're looking for, that answer, that understanding that he has for us already. Not looking for it because it's somewhere way off in the distance like Pastor Heather is in the back of the sanctuary. It is right here. It's already on the inside of us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that lives on the inside of the way, the truth, and the life lives on the inside of us already. So as we pray in our tongues for, for the understanding of that answer that is already on the inside of us. And then we ask, Lord... Now give me that understanding, please, that I would understand. And we get that word, that picture, or that person, or whatever the case may be. And then we go forward with that. Okay, Lord, I just pray that. And we keep going forward in the way and the truth and the life in that. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians 4. Let's turn, let's turn there. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Mm -hmm. It's an awesome, awesome set of verses. Praise God. I am so thankful for these verses. They have helped me so much in my life. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. In the Amplified, amen, there we go. 
Rejoice in the Lord always, and that means delight, gladden yourself in him. Again, I say rejoice. And I'm continuing in the Amplified in verse 5 here. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. Do not fret. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. So, if we know that the Holy Jesus lives in us through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the answer to everything, and that answer is already on the inside of us, when we come to Him in prayer, we don't have to fret or be anxious about anything because the answer is already on the inside of us. Waiting to come out. We don't have to pull it out. It's like a positive pressure situation. So you've got like, um, I don't know, a bunch of water in a pipe, but there's a a membrane over the end of the pipe, and that water is naturally just pushing on that membrane to get out of that pipe. And then as soon as you put that little pinhole in that membrane, the water starts to, to... like spray out of it, and as it sprays out of it, it makes that little pinhole get a bit bigger and a bit bigger and a bit bigger and a bit bigger until you've got water gushing out. He's wanting to give us that understanding. He's wanting to give us that wisdom. He's wanting to give us that answer. We don't have to fret. We don't have to be anxious about anything. I spent... uh, it was approximately a year and a half without a job just after we started coming to this church. I had to learn about this, not to fret and be anxious and trust that the Lord had that right job for me. I'm now in that right job for me. Amen. And actually, I just realized that the job that I'm in now, that's the longest I've been at one place in my entire accounting career. Amen. He's blessed me richly at this job because I chose, now there were, (laughs) I'm telling you, there were some times where it was a a mental choice not to fret and be anxious about the situation. I mean, I I had a family to support and take care of financially, and, and there were some stressful moments, and I had to actually physically choose not to fret and be anxious. But you can do it. Because the answer for that's already on the inside of us. Amen? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, which is a definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. What does that mean, with thanksgiving? It's about where we start in prayer. Where we start in prayer. We come to him. He's called us to him. We come to him. And we start with thanksgiving. Lord, I just thank you that you gave me a great sleep last night. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you showed me what to talk about today. 
And I just, I thank you, Lord, for our home that we have, that our, our sanctuary here that we have as a home, Lord, where we can spend time with you, spend time as a family, Lord. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I just, I thank you for your love that you've placed on the inside of me, that pours out of me. I thank you, Lord, for, for your joy that is in me, Lord. I thank you for the ability to praise you and worship you. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for all these things, Lord. I thank you for my friends that we have in this church, Lord, and for my family, my my wife and my children, Lord, I thank you for my in-laws. I thank you, Lord. I just, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are the answer and that you are that answer that's already on the inside of me, Lord. I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you are waiting to give me that answer, Lord. I just thank you. I praise your name for that, Lord. I thank you. I give you glory for that, Lord. I thank you for who you are, Lord. The same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. That answer you gave me three months ago was going to be the same as if you give me today, Lord, and it will be the same tomorrow as that you give me an answer because you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. I give you glory for that. I thank you, Lord. I praise your holy name. I give you glory, Lord. I give you glory, Lord. I give you glory. I give you glory, Lord. I praise your name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't y'all feel better? Amen. Don't y'all feel better? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Start there with him. Thanking him for who he is. It may have no relevance to what you're about to pray about, but start thanking him. It changes the way you perceive him. And if you're thinking, oh, I just don't have anything to be thankful for, thank him that you're breathing. <laughs> thank him that you got a good sleep last night or that you got two hours of good sleep last night. <laughs> you can, there is something that you can thank him for. Amen. What's that? Amen. Exactly. Thank him for the bed that you got to sleep in. Okay, so verse 7 says, And God's peace shall be yours, that, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to need some more volunteers. I'm going to need four volunteers. Um, Doreen's already put up her hand, okay. You can, okay. Um, Ari can. <laughs> and Denise, okay. Denise, you, you come on up. Um, Abigail, is it okay if I move the, this forward? Okay, so. No, oh no. You're, oh no. Oh, you need four, absolutely. Okay, so. What you guys are going to do is all four of you are going to have your backs to me, and you're going to be, one's going to be in front of me, and two are going to be on the side of me, and one's going to be behind me, okay? Okay, and you all, now you're going to be standing like you've got a machine gun, and you're ready to go to war, <laughs> okay? Lock and load. So did you notice in verse 7 at the end, it says that 
which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, a garrison is a military term. And what a garrison is, is a military uh, group, so uh, a, um, a flank, a squadron, a platoon, um, all those kinds of things that are at the ready to fight and to protect you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They never stand down. There's always someone. And they move with you all the time, protecting you. Okay, we're all going to move to the right. Okay, everybody, that means go forward, Ari. Okay. Okay, stop. And then we're all going to move to the left. So as you're praying and you're thanking God and you're bringing your petitions to him, you've come to him first, you know that that answer is on the inside of you. Remember earlier it said, don't fret and don't have anxiety? Well, we don't need to fret and have anxiety because this is what the angels are doing all around you as you come. They're guarding you, protecting your mind, giving you peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as this world gives, I give you my peace. Amen. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as this world gives. If I had one of those bats with the ball on it that has the elastic string to it, and you sit there and you whack it, and you try to keep it going as long as you can, it's just going back and forth, that's how the world gives you peace. You have it, you don't, 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 you have it, you don't. Yeah, and if you miss the paddle, you get whacked in the head with the ball. Jesus' peace resides, lives on the inside of us and never leaves. It's like that permanent tenant that's actually a good tenant. <laughs> when we come to him first with thanksgiving in our hearts, he protects us. He gives us the way. He gives us truth. And he gives us life to walk in. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. We'll end with this. In Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's relationship. He wants to come in and sup with you. He's already living on the inside of you. Let him do his job. Let him do his job. That would be like Ken owns a company. And so that would be like Ken hiring somebody to do to do the work that he wants them to do on the, on the boats that he repairs and, and refurbishes and stuff, but telling him, okay, I just want you to sit in this chair today and do nothing. But pay him like he's doing something. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want to just sit there on the inside of you. 
He's knocking. Let him do his job in your life. Let him answer those questions. Let him bring you that peace. Let him settle your mind. Come to him first. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm so happy to be here, to have a good time, specifically to talk about prayer, because this is the area that I enjoy most of the time, <laughs> because I come from a background where if you don't pray, you cannot survive, Amen. specifically <laughs> when you know God. And uh, the area that I want to talk about, if you can go to the next slide. Yes. I want to talk about understanding prayer protocols. First of all, we have to know that there are protocols. And when we talk about protocols, we are talking about rules and the principles that govern the affairs of maybe prayer, the affairs of maybe something. So prayer has some protocols that we need to understand if we want our prayers to be effective. You know, uh, every culture and a community has certain protocols that must be adhered to when you want uh, to get their services. For example, when you go maybe for an interview, you want to be employed. When you knock on the door, you don't just, just go and uh, sit down. You have to be welcomed first. Because when you sit down, you're going to forfeit everything. Because they said, no, this guy is not fit to be here. You follow some protocols. And uh, I remember in South Sudan, some preachers uh, went from USA to South Sudan. They, went, they, they gathered together with uh, our pastors. They went to a remote place in South Sudan. And then those people, they welcome you. But you have to know the protocols too. First of all, they are going to give you some dessert. <laughs> and uh, the dessert is not the one that you know here. <laughs> the dessert is fresh milk and fresh blood from the cow. They mix together, and then they give you. So the pastors in South Sudan, some of them did not know. They said, no, I don't take it. I don't take it. And most, almost everyone, except a young girl, so I just finished high school, and she wanted to be a missionary. So when we did have her, her father, who was also who is actually a pastor, and then they said, "No, I'm going to drink." She took this milk and the blood mixed, and then afterwards, the chief said, "All of you, you are not going to speak here, because you broke the protocol. Only this girl will be the one to preach." And these people were empowering her. She was for two weeks, or one, one or two weeks, she was the one preaching. Because breaking of protocols. Prayer has protocols. And I hope we are not breaking them. Believers are given the privilege to approach God through prayer. But prayer has, as I said before, certain protocols that we need to know if we want our prayers to be effective. 
if you want your prayers to be effective, you, ha you have to understand the concept of prayers, or the types of prayers, or the protocols of prayers. And from here, I want to only talk about uh, three protocols that uh, we need to understand and we need to know so that we will approach God in a good way, in a good manner. Number one, if you can put on uh, the slide. Number one, the protocol, I'm talking about the protocol of vertical praying uh, using sonship rights or maybe you are a daughter of God you are a child of God. You have rights to, to enter the presence of God. So the protocol of vertical praying, remember the word vertical is very important there. It's not like uh, a geographical location where, you, as, as the preacher said, God is there and then you are here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that you are lower and God is up. So vertical praying is you are approaching God. That's what the scripture says in John chapter 16, verse 26 to 27. Uh, says, at that day, ye shall ask in my name. And I, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you because you have loved me and have believed that I, come, I came from the Father. You know, uh, the point here, Jesus is saying that, when I'm not here now, when I'm gone, you are not going to disturb me because the apostles, the, the, the disciples who are disturbing Jesus Christ, oh, we have only two fish, we have only five uh, loaves and this. And Jesus said, one time, when I've already gone, you are not going to ask me, you are going to ask the Father. So vertical praying is you have the rights because you are born again. Ephesians chapter 1, when you read there, it talks about when we are, we are already adopted. So you have rights to enter the throne of grace. And at that time, when you are praying, for example, you have some requests that you have. You want God to help you. And even there, you are not asking Jesus Christ to provide you. You are not asking the Holy Spirit to provide you. You are asking the Father. Because Jesus said, you ask the Father, but in my name. And they use the name Jesus. You know, I have three names. My first name is Peter. The second one is, the middle is John. And I have a surname. It's called Tawango or Tongo. For us, we call Tongo. This is very important. My last name is very important. It's a surname. And in most cases, people, when you go anywhere, just you go, they ask, what is your last name? It's very important. But Jesus has a surname and for a reason. And also, he has titles or descriptive names. But he pointed one, Jesus. As Mama Gwyn was talking about the importance of the name Jesus. When you are praying to the Father, employ the name Jesus Christ. Because the name Jesus Christ is, Jesus actually is the same name. I'm not talking about the Lord. I'm not, I'm not talking about 
the son of God, but I'm talking about the surname of Jesus Christ. It's very important. That's why as we heard when you come to God, you don't have to enter illegally. Do not go to the Father illegally like going through the window. You have to go through the door. And when you go through the door, you employ the name Jesus. There's a reason. You know, when people pray, I just discovered when people pray, sometimes they were praying, 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 and then in the name of the Lord, amen. They are praying, praying maybe in the name of your son. But Jesus said, employ the name Jesus because it's a surname. And that one is just like a door that can open. You use the key, actually. The name Jesus is a key. You open the door using it. That's why you cannot go to the Father. Illegal. You cannot go to the Father through the window. No. You have to go through the door. And the door is Jesus Christ. But know that the name is very important there. I remember I was in the United States of America. So there, uh, there was a bishop, actually. And I think from California or somewhere there. He was preaching, preaching. And then he said, and they prayed. He said, in the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. But in the Bible, it says the name of Jesus. In my language, we call it Yesu. And then uh, in Arabic, also they call it Yeshua. Yeshua. And then in also in, in, in Hebrew, almost the same. In, in, Greek, uh, in Greek, or in Greek, almost the same. You have, if you have your own language, employ when you are praying. Understand the name Jesus. The name Jesus is very important because it will open the door. Do you know the key to your miracle is through Jesus. Of course, you use the name of Jesus Christ. And the vertical praying, you need to understand the biblical types of prayer. There are different types of prayer that you have to know in the Bible. For example, the prayer of faith. We have the prayer of faith. We have the prayer of petition or supplication. We have the prayer of intercession. We have the prayer of worship, repentance, salvation, sin, and a lot of types of prayers. But I want to talk on three. The prayer of faith. In John chapter, I mean, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 23 to 24, it talks about the prayer of faith. Specifically, you need to have faith. You have to download that. It says that have the God kind of faith. Akite pistin theos in Greek. So when you are praying the prayer of faith, it means you have some desires. For example, you need to go to school, you don't have school fees, and it is your desire to go to school. You employ what? The prayer of what? Faith. And then sometimes, maybe when we talk about the prayer of petition or supplication, is actually to appeal and just treatment. Maybe you are treated unjustly. You say, no, I have to petition. You, you become like a lawyer standing before a judge. And you know all the technicalities and then the procedures and the protocols. And then you can employ it rightly. And then we have the prayer of intercession. For example, in intercession, when you are, inter you are interceding for someone, you plead on behalf of other people. So when we know the types of prayer, and we come to God, and we know that God is going to answer our prayers because we are focusing our prayers for reason. I'm talking about uh, the protocol of vertical praying because you know your rights. 
And there are people, even they don't know if they're born again or they're not born again or if God will answer their prayers, they have no idea. So when they are coming to God, they don't know their rights. And there now you are going to forfeit everything. Slide number two. If you can go to slide number two. Number two, the protocol of, I put it as horizontal praying. And I, have, I want to have a little bit of time here. Here you use what? Delegated, delegated authority. When you are born again, you are delegated with the authority of Jesus Christ. And Luke chapter 10 verse 19, uh, it says, Jesus is saying, Amplified Version says, listen carefully. I have given you authority, exousia in Greek, that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, that is Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. Jesus said you are delegated with power, exousia, as well as dunamis. So <clears throat> when I talk about uh, horizontal praying, uh, here you are actually speaking to situations. For example, Mark chapter eleven twenty two says, "For verily I say unto you that whatsoever shall say unto this mountain." Now the situation is the mountain, and then you are talking to the mountain. You are talking to the situation. It said, "Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass." He shall have whatsoever he saith. Here the point is, you are talking to a situation. You know, when I was in Uganda and the South Sudan, I went to one of the churches. And then there, the moment he said, okay, come on for prayer, maybe altar call. A lot of people are going to come. And they, sometimes you may not be able to pray just laying hand one, one by one because there are a lot of people. So when I looked, a lot of people came. And uh, I called some of the pastors. He said, can you come and help me? So I was praying in this side. And some of them were praying. And then as I was praying, the power of God was manifesting. And I would see people feeling, or feeling the Holy Spirit. Others were falling down. Others were screaming. And then people were rushing. The ushers were there. But when I looked, I saw a lot of pastors there praying. But nothing. There was no any other commotion. People were just there praying and talking and praying. And then I said, what is going on? I stopped because it looked awkward. And then I came, I stood like this. Because people were focusing to my side. I said, no, I don't want to do that. And then I said, something is wrong. And then I went to listen one of the persons who was praying. Do you know what he was doing? Maybe Shalin come here. <laughs> Pretend as if you are sick here. Your hand, okay, stand there. <laughs> okay, Pastor Mukin, come just here. 
I chose him because he has beard. So, <laughs> so let's say that this is God. <laughs> okay, come here. Okay, put your hand like this. Close. I, I think, is it okay there? Yes. She's sick. I'm the pastor, or I'm a believer. She wants me to pray for her. And this is God. Would be it. <laughs> and when I'm going to pray for her, what do you think I should be doing? And many of these people, do you know what they do? They are asking God, God, she's sick, help her. You have the anointing, heal her. They are just focusing on God without knowing that they are delegated with what? Authority. They are just focusing on God. And then even they are not even talking to the situation. No, they are focusing on God and they are interceding actually on behalf of that person. Again and again and again and again and again and then amen in Jesus' name, amen. They go. <laughs> many leaders, many uh, uh, believers, this is what they know. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about vertical praying where you focus to God. I'm talking about horizontal praying where you are focusing towards the situation. The first thing you do, of course, you have to converse with your father for God to give you insight, revelation, so that you'll be soaked in the power of God. And then now you come to the situation, because here, sometimes God will open your eyes because you are connecting, first of all, with God. You thank us, you said you thank God and all this and all that. God sometimes will open your eyes to see the problem. And then now when you are coming here, you are not going to say, God, please heal. Oh, God, sees your daughter and this and that and this. No. You are now coming to the situation. And then now you talk to the situation. Very simple. And we are not trained, you know, because we come from those traditional churches. And we are pleading, like, on just we ask intermediaries. Oh, St. Augustine, pray for us. I think Mother Teresa is uh, declared a saint. Oh, Mother Teresa, pray for us. And all this. No, you go direct to the situation because you have what? A delegated authority. And then when you talk to the situation, God will open your eyes to see if this person needs healing. Oh, there's a demon must go. And then you speak. The power of God will come. Things will be okay. Awesome. Thank you. So God, we may go. <laughs> and what you do like uh, personnel said. Personnel nailed it properly here. He said, "Come to God first to receive insight or get refilled." Like he said, and he called unto him the twelve. That means you come to God. You are talking to God sometimes first, and then after that, now you are going to speak to yeah. the situation. Yeah. Very simple. You know, uh, some, these are like Paul one time. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 17, 
uh, to 18, it says, The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out of this, I mean, out of her the same hour. I heard a story. Uh, Kenneth uh, Hagen, he was praying. I think in a vision, they were talking with Jesus Christ. And now Jesus was talking to him. And then the other side, the, there was a demon. And the demon was doing a lot of whoop, 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 and then he couldn't be able to hear what Jesus was saying. And then Jesus kept talking. And then he couldn't hear anything. He said, Jesus, hold on, hold on. Can't you see the devil is interrupting a prayer? I, can, I'm near, I cannot hear you now. And Jesus said, no, I don't have to do that. You are the one to kick the devil. Because I've given you the authority. I've given you all, everything. And then he turned and said, out. Immediately dissipated, disappeared, ran away. So there are concepts that we need to know when we come to pray. And I ask questions a lot sometimes. Why are some people, they pray and there are results? And the others, they pray. Nothing is happening. It means we have broken what? The protocol of prayer. When you are praying, you have to know, is it you are focusing your prayer towards a situation? Oh, you are just talking to God. You are just enjoying the presence of God to download something from God. Lastly, you can put uh, slide number three. The protocol of self-talk praying. This one is used as uh, declarative utterances. First of all, Psalm 103, from verse 1 to 4 says, This is David. And David was trying to enjoy the presence of God. But something was wrong inside him. And he gone mad. And he started talking to himself. He said what? Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his whole name. And he repeated again, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He continued and continued and continued. He was talking to himself. This is also a part of prayer. Sometimes you need to talk to yourself. If there are stubborn things that are preventing you from accessing the presence of God, talk to that situation. Talk to things that you, they are not conforming to the principles of God. It could be habits. Or maybe two days ago I was watching Derek Prince and he came, one time he came to Washington, D.C., 
And then he was teaching about fasting. And then after he taught, he said, somebody who was at that time, at that time a lawyer said, you know what? Oh, if like that, I'm going to fast. I will study tomorrow. And then tomorrow, the guy started fasting. Stomach problem. And here, and he was hungry. He was struggling to fast, but couldn't. But he struggled until the evening. And he said, stomach, you disturbed me today. Tomorrow I'm going to fast. I talk to you silent. And the following day he fasted. There was no much problem. Do you know sometimes you want to do something. But you find yourself being pulled. Inside you are a lot of things that are taking you away. Or even it could be inherited stuff. We come from different backgrounds. Different denominations and the traditional kind of denominations. You want to pra praise God and uh, people are speaking in tongues. You hear them speaking in tongues and then you said, what about my mom's church? They don't agree with this and they don't do. And then from that moment now, you are not able to do it because traditions. If they are tormenting you, you speak. King David could talk to himself. What about us? And we know that this guy was so successful. He never, never lost a battle. Never. And when you read the book of Psalms, you'll find that a lot of declarative utterances that David would always air out. Sometimes he'll talk to himself. And they may be talking affirmative, uh, uh, praying, that is, you are declaring the principle of God upon your life. As uh, uh, you're talking here, you give thanks to God and uh, you enjoy the presence of God. Thank you, God, for all this. And uh, I am a champion. I can win. Every time I go, a lot of things are going to happen. And you are talking like you are just talking because God has given you that you are talking my hands are always blessed when I'm praying something is happening when I go there God I'm so happy because you are doing this to me and you are doing you talk to yourself this area many of us we don't know and we like to talk to God that is okay some people they know how to talk to a situation but others they don't know how to talk to themselves you want to go to church you feel lazy. <laughs> what are you going to do? Talk to yourself. I'm going to church. This body. Simple like that. Your body is going to hear because you are speaking. Jesus was talking to the wind. And the wind adhered. Your situation. Even sometimes, you're gonna, you want to read, you have to put eyeglass and you are not able to read well. A lot of things are happening. Your stomach, talk to your eyes. Simple. The more you start talking, you don't, when you are talking, you are not, the words that are coming, they are not coming just from your body. Because you, Jesus said, you are, my words that I speak, they are what? Spirit. It comes from there. 
You are downloading from the kingdom of God, and then from the moment you air out, something will happen. Mama Gwyn said something very important, that most of us, he said God is in what? In control of everything. Because we don't talk God is in control. No. God has delegated us something. The moment you repeat what God says, and then something is going to come to, to pass. That's why we have to sing. Even when we are singing. And we have a lot of songs. I always challenge my people. For example, we have traditional uh, songs, Christian songs in my language, in Arabic. But when you listen to the song, the song may not make sense. And the song may make you to cry and cry before God and cry and again and again. Feel me again. And they are, when they say feel me, they are thinking the power is going to come like the same during the day of Pentecost. But you don't know that, as you said, it's inside you. Even when you are selecting some songs, I like Shalene always your songs. They're very <laughs> declarative. I like that. And sometimes just I'm looking, but now I'm not seeing you. I'm just, oh, that's good. Oh, but some of the songs, they make you sick. Thank you. Yeah. That's why God has given us the spirit of discernment. Do you know, I go to, sometimes I attend a lot of churches and a lot of preachers. I think I'm done almost. The time is it? How many minutes left? And then when I hear the things that people are interceding like they are calling saints, dead people to pray for them and this, if I go to this, I close my mind. I don't want to listen. I'm there, but you don't think that I'm here. I don't hear anything <laughs> because I want to protect everything. God is good. I want to give a testimony. I came here for inspiration and help. I told Mama Gwina I'm going to South Sudan. Pray for me. I remembered. I prayed. And he gave words. So when I went there, God actually made everything to come to pass. And then after all this, a bishop came and told him, he said, Peter, I want to tell you, places that you have gone to preach, it is the grace of God in you. Without the grace of God, you cannot go there. I got a chance to have a conference the two days the wife of the president attended from 10 o'clock up to 2. On Sunday, she attended from 10 o'clock up to 2. And then the bishop said, the wife of the president is here. said, can I go and pray? He said, yeah, let's go. And then we went, a lot of ministers, and then I took my oil there, <laughs> poured the oil on the hands, and prayed, prayed. And mostly I was praying in tongues because I didn't want her to hear all this. <laughs> And then we went to other churches. There was an advisor to the president. 
And I came. He said, you preached this and that. I think you are talking to me. Can you be my spiritual father? But I discovered something. We have the answers. I met a lot of ministers, government ministers, advisors to the president. But many of them, they're inside. They're ruined. Inside, they're Inside, things are very hard for them. When they pull you aside, they needed help. And what we do is counseling, helping them and praying. But the question is, if you don't know how to pray, what are you going to do? Are you going to cry before God to plead and you are pleading God? No. You have to talk to the situation. And I was talking to Amama Gwyn, I said, I was supposed to come and they extended my what? My ticket. I was to come on 8th of December. They said, no, you are going to preach again in one of the churches. And then I went to preach. And they called people for like testimony, if you have a testimony. Line people that got healed. I was shocked even. <laughs> this one was a this one. I said, huh? <laughs> and then I realized I was living in the hotel because I didn't want to stay at home. A lot of people would come. And then I had only $200 in my pocket. So, and then I said, God, what can I do? And then I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying. I went to the church. And then as I went to the church, I prayed. You know what God did? I hope I will get it. What God did was so, so different. I didn't know that something would ha uh, happen like that. First of all, there I was given a, a, a what? I don't want it to be. I was given a bodyguard. Two, actually. And then, and then uh, National Security, actually, that one, like FBI and so forth. They're helping us. And then I prayed. I was preaching. After I finished, the senior pastor said, we are going to help. This is our son. We are going to help his ministry. If you have anything, come. People are giving local currency. And then in my heart, I said, no. I come from North America. And then I'm going to take money from here. No. And God opened my eyes. There was an old man who happened to be the founder of the Pentecostal churches in both the Sudans. He said, give everything to that person. But I had nothing. And then as I was coming, a lady came with the pastor. I said, you know what? I have an envelope. Take this envelope. I know you are going to reject it, but take it, take it. When I went to my room, I opened. This is what I got. And in a poor country. Wow. Not in Canada. In a poor country. Money. 2,500. General, apart from others, I spoke about this because prayer, God will reveal the way. God talked to her that I sh should go. I came for wisdom. And he said, go. And God is going to open. I remember very clearly, God is going to open. And God can what? Seal the words. This is very important. I know God has spoken to you. That's why we have prayer to understand all the technicalities within prayer. Yes, I feel like praying, but I know the time is coming. 
Yes, thank you. God bless you. When you start talking about prayer, you want to pray. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, I, well, we're all talking about, you know, how we got filled with Holy Spirit. Um, I don't remember. I remember getting born again, but I don't remember getting filled with Holy Spirit. I was attending this church, and just it just happened. One day, I was just speaking in other tongues, <laughs> and I was just filled. It just happened. It's natural. And uh, it's natural if you come to Celebration Life Church, you can get filled with Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just really had on my heart... Um, thinking about God's will. And we've heard uh, Pastor Gwen mentioned and um, Peter mentioned that uh, about, you know, this, this idea that God is in control, uh, peace that has damaged people's thinking about God. And in that peace is, um, is that God is in control. Uh, so this didn't happen. I was praying for this to happen. It's not his will. And so, so many people are living with sickness because they think it's God's will and that God is teaching them something. And that's not true. Amen. That's not true. One of my, fav well, my favorite scripture in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, I wanted to read some of the versions because each of them has like really great things in each of them. In the Amplified, it says, for I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for a welfare and peace and not of evil to be taken care of. Not like our Canadian welfare system. Not like the government welfare system. Think about God's welfare system. So much better. I better check the time. So I see. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, when I start going. Um, for I know the thoughts. So I, I like uh, to, give, uh, to give you a hope in your final outcome. And then in, in the King James, it talks about, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, that God is thinking about you. He thinks good things about you. Yeah. Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. I like those two words in the, in the King James, an expected end, that you can expect good things in the end. You can expect that even when there's trouble, that that expected end is there with you. Amen. And then, uh, and you know what's so interesting? that the, the NIV has its issues, you know. It takes some of the scriptures and changes them in a way that writes out some things. But you wouldn't believe in Jeremiah 29, 11 and what it says in the NIV. It says prosperity in NIV. Wouldn't you know? And NIV says, for I know of the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Why would he then give you sickness to teach you a lesson? Sickness harms. Sickness hurts. It's not from him. And why would he use it as a tool? He doesn't use the devil's tool. He has his own great and mighty tools. Amen. To give you a hope and a future. And that hope in a future is, is uh, one of the slogans for our school, which I like. Wouldn't you know? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's in the New Living Translation. To give you a future. You have a future. And your future is now. It starts now. Now is the time of salvation. Hallelujah.
That's God's will for you. It says in James, I love this other, uh, no, not James, in 3 John in 1, 2, it says, Beloved, you're his beloved. This is talking to you. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may as prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. What's God's will? That's God's will. And we sometimes are, we, we are, you know, and we're, we're declaring those things. And Peter says we're declaring. And, but if you don't know God's word, you don't know what to declare. You don't know what God's will is. And you're living in the Old Testament, like what Pastor Jason was talking about. We need to know what God's word is. We need to know his will. And the bad things that happen are not his will. But he said that they would happen. He said that there's persecution. He said that there's going to be things that are going to come up against you. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that overcoming is where we live. In his overcoming. That's where we live. So to prosper. In, in, uh, in that situation, it's to help on the road. Succeed in reaching. Uh, to succeed in business affairs, to be prosperous. That's the definition of prosper in that, in, that, in that scripture. So I was, uh, I was uh, you know, doing my last year in education and, um, at UBC, and I was graduating, I was going to teach. I always, already was hired at, I think, oh, I was, I was going to be, no, I wasn't hired yet at Surrey. Um, but when I went to UBC when I was on my practicum. I was doing my student teaching in Surrey here. And I went to school. We had this day where we had to be at school and do some learning there. So we went there. And uh, lo and behold, there's a poster on, on the, the board. And I said, you know what? Before I looked at the poster, it, I said, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit just prompted me. You should go look at this board. So there I go. I go look at the board. And wouldn't you know, there's this big sign that the New York City School Board is, um, is recruiting people. And they're going to be here today and tomorrow. Those are the days. These are the days that you can come. And it worked in my schedule. I, I, it might not have been tomorrow. It might have been. But there was a day that I was able to go down and I was able to go apply. But that's fast forward. I saw this and I went, hmm, I would really like to do that. I would really like to. That, that's, that's something I'd really like to do. And so I go home, tell my parents, pray about it, is my mom's, <laughs> my mom's thing. And so I did pray about it and ended up deciding and applying and, and going there. And my time there was really great. I, I grew a lot because I had to leave. Like I was, I was going to Celebration Life Church. I had a really great support system. And then I fly over to New York, which is a very different place. It's like, why are they all yelling at me? <laughs> like, you know, why are they so rude? And, uh, you know, living there, you can realize if you visit New York, you'll think that, hey, these are the, the meanest people out there. But actually, they're not when you start to get to know them. That they're actually quite kind, caring, hugging strangers, you know, doing that kind of thing. They're that kind of people, but you have to get to know them. But, <laughs> but when I was there, I was like, I, I'm like, oh, with my suitcases at the airport. And I'm getting the cab, and then I'm like, I could just go home now. <laughs> if I just went home, things would be okay. Mom would say, it's all right, you can come back home. 
And then, but, uh, but I was like, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. I wasn't supposed to stay as long as I did. That's a whole nother story. But <laughs> we're talking about prayer. When I was there, I, 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 it, like God is so good. Good things happen when you're listening to him daily. And before we left, this other girl that went with me there, uh, an acquaintance, was like very concerned about where she was staying and found a place that was like a women's residence. And it was just like a dorm. And so it was great to just go there and get the bearings of the city. And it was like, it was what I was used to. It was comfortable. I had been in and out of dorms. So it was, so it was good. It was a good place to go. And I met people and kind of had a home base. And I could take some time to look for a place. I had heard stories about people and they would be like living, they would find an apartment in Coney Island and they'd be working in the Bronx. And I'm like, that is all the way through everything. That takes you over an hour to get places. But God was good. I had a central location and I could pray and talk to God and, and, and find a place in, on my time. And, but I hear my, a phone call. My sisters are coming for a visit with some friends, and I better find the place quick. <laughs> <I th> <laughs> and it's so interesting when circumstances come, and you're like, you feel the timeline pushing, and you're like, I need God to move now. And <laughs> so, but I was praying and asking, you know, God, I need an apartment, and, and, I, and, and I have some, I have my list. Do you go to God with your list? You know, you're like, I need this. I want this. I have this. I want that. I need that. I need that. I need that. You know, he loves you and he listens to you when you tell him your list. But you could be, he could be telling you stuff, but instead you're going with your list. But I did. I prayed. I had my list. I said, God, like, I need a place. And when I was praying, he, I, I was expecting an answer. And you know what? He gave an answer. Just like I saw that sign when I got the prompting, you better go look at that wall. Go and look at the wall, and there's a sign about recruitment. I'm looking in the paper, looking for apartments. And it was like tunnel vision. And then God spoke to me, that apartment. That's the apartment for you. And I was like, okay. I heard from God. I prayed, that's my apartment. Okay, great. So I phone. And it didn't, the phone call didn't go as, as expected. I was like, I'm ready to go see it, ready now. And he was like, the landlord didn't really care. He didn't want me, like he was like, it was, he was like, oh, maybe later, la, la, la. I'm like, but this is my apartment. I want it now. I ended, I hung up the phone and I'm like, I didn't know, no, I th I'm going to call him back again. And I'm going to say, and I told him my phone and I said, that's my apartment. <laughs> That's mine. That's where I'm going to live. What do I need to do to get that apartment? This scared the man <laughs> a lot because, you know, you don't know what you're going to get in New York. And I had seen what you can get in New York. I saw something really close to the Chrysler building, which was a really nice neighborhood, but it scared me. Have you ever looked and you're like, the thought of living here makes me sick. I'm like, there, there's cockroaches everywhere. I see like holes in the wall. The stove looks like it's never been cleaned. It's dark, it's dank. And then I went to this other place where they're like, oh, here's the fire escape. It was, you open the door 
and there was a ladder that they just ha- like leaned, and then you have to push up the grate in the sidewalk <laughs> to get out. And I was, <laughs> and like, he's still thinking I'm okay with it, but I've like, I've stopped listening and I'm like going, no, this is not the place for me. <laughs> and so this is all before I'm like, I get, I, I get the tunnel vision of, from God speaking. You know, it's like, you, you don't have to check out your options. There's this obligation that you have to check out the options and get the best thing. You don't have to check your options. There's only one option. It's the one that God has for you. And if you can get yourself in line with that, you will be the happiest there. Because, and I can guarantee that, because you have a closet full of bad choices. Because there's that sweater in there, there's that shirt in there that you keep in there out of obligation because you spent your money on it, but you don't like it. <laughs> and you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> I need to do some purging, but <laughs> myself. But if we can w- listen for God's option. You don't have to be guilty that you didn't look anywhere else. You don't have to feel obligated to look for anything else. And the world would say, but you need to check your options. But you need to do this. You need to do that. You don't need to do anything. You need to listen to God. And he'll tell you what to do, and he has the answers. Not the world and that that person that's trying to give you bad advice. Put it to the curb like your clothing that you don't want. <laughs> so I really scared this guy. I scared him. He was like, it was, it disturbed him because, you know, you, no one, you don't do that. And there's going to be things that you're going to do when you listen to God that, ups, that, that unsettles people because you don't do that. But he said, well, you don't know. The place is, is being renovated. And I'm like, yay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, it's being renovated. It's not in a state. It, you can come and have a, have a look at it. And, uh, you know, I went to go have a look at it. But really, it was my apartment. I didn't need to go have a look at it. It was great to go have a look at it because, you know, but it was exactly what, what I expected with, like, things all torn up and things hadn't yet p- been put together. But, you know, that was nice. But there it was. And there it was mine. And it was, like, the, the price that I needed. And, and it ticked all the boxes on my list because the boxes are not in the, in the want ads there of, like, it's got this, it's got this, it's got this. It's no, it's apartment, how much, and where. That's it. And a good location for me and work because I was taking the subway. And all those boxes, except the one that I should have been praying for, which was closets. (laughs) And then different cultures and things, how people build their buildings. (laughs) Lots of, not very many closets in New York. But my next apartment had closets. (laughs) Wouldn't you know? His sheep hear his voice. 
And when you're looking for and looking for what to do, you can't hear his voice because you're not looking to him. And we've heard that many times this morning about drawing close to him, listening to him. He's on the inside of you. He's the closest he, the closest he could be, and you can hear him. We need to pray for God's direction and not to bless us after. And we heard a bit about that this morning from Pastor Neil. But many times you'll hear, like, why didn't things go right? Well, you picked the job and then said, hey, God, that's the job I want. Bless me in it. You pick the town. Oh, then you have to move and you have to leave the church that you were in and you were growing in and, and things were going well. And then you go to the new town and you go and you find this other church that's close by because you know what? It's convenient. Why not go to that church? Because that's the great, that's a good church. It fits my needs. And then you go start going there and things start not going well. And you're like wondering why? Why, why is it not going well? Did you ask? You didn't ask. You said, bless it, God like a bully, saying, bless me, God, and not asking him. We're not forcing. He has a way. He leads and guides. He doesn't, you know, say, hey, good job when you didn't do good job. He'll help you. He'll help you out, which he did for me when I didn't leave at the right time in New York. He restored me. Bless God, he restored me so much. I love to, t I could talk about it with people anytime. And circumstances definitely don't dictate our direction. And they shouldn't dictate your prayer life either. There's lots of things that are wrong with the world. And just like Pastor Jason said, there's poor. And you can get tired, you can wear yourself out doing the right thing. When you could ask God, what is the right thing for me to do? And it will have a work. And you'll see the change. You'll see what it will do. But if you get it on in your own head first and go do that, it's not going to work out. He helps us. Bless God. Thank you for his grace and his mercy. But it could go better if we go to him first. So we don't want to let circumstance dictate our choices, where we live, where we work, what we're doing, if we're going to go on disability, if we need to, you know, do something else. What does God have to say about all this? And the one thing that we need to know about God's will is he won't violate your will. When it's all said and done, what you will will come to pass. If it's what God wills, that's great. But if it's something you will, I'd look out below. And sometimes when we're praying, we are praying and violating other trying to violating others wills. And you know, it's I know God's will. I know God's will to heal. I know God's will is immediate. I know that 
when people came to Jesus, they were healed. Jesus didn't say, okay, wait five weeks, you know, I'll pray about it. And then maybe in five weeks you can come again. We'll do, we'll do this, we'll do that. We'll have a prayer plan in place and then you'll be healed. No, they came and were healed right away. And God commanded, we, he said, go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Raise the dead. These are all things that are possible for us. Haven't, hasn't happened raising the dead for me yet. But I want to get more in line with his will so that it does come to pass. I want to be like Jesus. Anything that you see in the Bible that Jesus did, we can do. We can do all of it. And we can do it. He'll show us the way. And Jesus showed us part of his way was it happens different every single time. Sometimes you dunk in a river. Sometimes you use spit in the water. Sometimes you do this. Sometimes you do that. But always the end result was healed. Rise up. Your sins be forgiven. Get up and walk. Take your bed and get out of here. You're done. You're healed. Go. Next. (laughs) Jesus. That's his will. But if that person in the bed doesn't want to get up, they're not going to get healed. And even if you go over there and say, hey, buddy, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to move your legs for you. It's not going to work. You're going to get tired. They're going to get frustrated and nothing happens. We can want the very best, God's very best for other people. But I dare say you don't know completely. Because God's very best for me, he's going to tell me. He's not going to tell you. He's going to tell you your best for you. We can pray for people that their hearts would be changed, that they would be open. But we want to make sure that we're not violating will. We don't want to control people and be in witchcraft Hey, I have this wife for my son. This, she would be the perfect wife. I'm going to pray that that woman is my son's wife. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's not do that. Oh, I know if they just got go quit their job over there and they just went into this job, oh, I know their life would be changed. Or no, quit this church. They need to start coming to my church. I'm going to pray that they come to my church. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> God's not praying that and neither should you. No. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Mark 5. This is, this is what we do. This is what we do. And Mark 5 and 35. And while he, Jesus, yet spake, spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, um, synagogue's house certain, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou, master, any further? 
So Jairus had, had run, hey, Jesus, heal my daughter. On the way, Jesus gets waylaid. Nope. He's where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be. He was not waylaid when, he, when they summoned him to Lazarus. He wasn't there either. He, he was where he was supposed to be. And so someone comes and says, oh, he's dead. Jesus, you don't even have to come. Don't worry about it. Don't trouble yourself. Don't bother. Come. Don't worry about it. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, because those faithless people following you, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of a ruler, of the, uh, the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the, the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. When you're summoned to a place to pray for people, that's what you're going to come to. You're going to come to people in a tumult. You know what that word is? A mess. It's just a mess of people wailing, people upset, people angry. I mean, in some cultures, they even pay people to cry. Like, how? come on, how do you do that? <laughs> but I imagine it's easy when you get in that atmosphere of mourning. And so there's, uh, so he, so Jesus took the faith-filled people with him, said, all you faithless people not following. He didn't say it in that word. I mean, he was, I'm sure he was really polite. Or he might not have been. Sometimes he's not. <laughs> Sometimes he's direct. <laughs> so, um, so he, there's wailing and weeping and the tumult and they're cry crying because like, you know, they've just heard the news that the kid, the daughter is dead. So that's the news that they're going with. That's the end result that they're believing. And so we have these other people that are believing something different. Who do you want to be surrounding you in, an, in a crisis? Because crisis happens. It happens to everyone. And sometimes we can look at certain people and say, it looks like they have no crisis. But they do. It's a lie to think that they don't because crisis happens everywhere. Emergencies happen. Bad stuff happens. But when you look at those people that aren't moved, there's a whole lot of things behind that not moving and not being shaken. We've been praying, and this we're shaking the ground. That doesn't mean that we're shaken. That we're doing the shaking. The ground is shaking around us, but we're not shaken. We're not moved. So, so there's the tumult. And he was come in. He said unto them, Why maketh this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Here's an opportunity. When you come with, and you encounter God's word, that you can take it and believe it, but these did not. These people did not. And in verse 40, they laughed unto him to, him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, the, I would have loved to see that. That would have been way better than the tumult. <laughs> when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother and the damsel and them that were with him and entereth into where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, 
Talithakum, which is uh, being an interpretive damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straight away, right away, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly and said, no man should know it and command that something should be given to her to eat. What do we believe? Do we believe the crying friends? Do we believe God's word? Do we know who we can bring with us into that room? Who would you bring into the room? Who would you invite into that room? with you would you go, go in that room every believer can every believer can i mentioned this at prayer meeting i was ari and i were watching 700 club and it was so, such a blessing there was this, it, it was all they were translating this little girl from asia somewhere was talking she's like tanish talking about how she had heard about Jesus from Superbook, a cartoon, a cartoon. And she was watching it, and she had heard the story of um, Naaman and how Naaman gets healed of leprosy. And she, she's a Buddhist, just enjoying a cartoon, because, you know, if you, there's a cartoon on, a kid's going to sit and watch it, right? So you want to be careful what's on there. <laughs> so she's watching this and and taking it in and she home to her buddhist aunt and says you know jesus can heal you i i i, I heard this story about this story and about naaman how he was healed and jesus can heal you and so this buddhist 10 year old girl who has known about jesus for a minute goes and prays for her grandmother who could barely walk and she's healed and the next day is walking. And then not only that, gets saved. Here's the message of the gospel and gets saved herself. And then they're no longer Buddhist and they're, they're serving God. Just knowing what, just knowing a little bit. Sometimes I think we know too much. And we talk ourselves out of something because of what the world has said. We need to remember what God's word says. Stay in his presence. In his presence, fullness of joy. There's no fullness and joy in what this world has to offer. There's no fullness of joy of crying people at a bedside. I don't want those people around if that ever happened to me. I would want faith-filled people coming and laying hands on me. Praise the Lord. And we are those people. We are those people. We are those people. I think it's now it's time to pray. And we're going to pray this morning. I, I think also too, if you do, you are like, huh, when they're talking about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, now's your time. If you will it, it, it can happen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. 
You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.